This podcast is brought to you by Bonus Room Productions and We Own This Town. I am Jason T. Mears, Esquire. And I'm Kelly Hoyle Bullock. And we are San Dimas Today. How's it going, Kelly? Oh, JT, I'm here. I'm here, man. <laughs> and wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> I am so happy that you are where you are, and that is with me, man. That's right. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Hey, I wouldn't want anyone else uh, here in this time and place with me. Well, bad news. <laughs> bad news. <laughs> Other than you. <laughs> <laughs> well, not just me, because also tonight we are going to be joined by two most distinguished gentlemen. That's right. In honor of our 10th episode, we thought we'd bring in a couple of guests. Um, great local musicians here in the Nashville area. Uh, YK Records artists, Cody Newman, Mike Shepard. Um, they've been playing around the scene for a long time. Uh, I know Mike founded and helmed the band Apollo Up, which was uh, one of my favorites in college. And he now uh, plays in the Tower Defense. So good. Yes. Um, so good. And Newman, uh, Cody's, uh, I guess it's Cody and a couple other guys, but it's mainly Cody's joint, right? You're right, right. Cody yeah. writes the songs. Uh, so good. Saw both of those at a YK showcase a few months ago and mm-hmm. just blown away by both of them. And, you know, their music is actually available at YKRecords.com. Weird. I know. It's crazy. It's so like you could uh, go there and check it out and buy it. What about this grilled cheese sandwich that I'm eating? Here, oh, Kelly? Where, where would this grilled cheese sandwich be available? For? Well, I got that from Clausen's Pub in Delhi, which is located like 500 feet from this podcast studio. So uh, I highly recommend this grilled cheese sandwich. It's very good. They got some sort of... Spice blend in there with the two different cheeses. Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, it's like some kind of Italian sauce. It just, it ups the ante for a grilled yeah, cheese yeah. sandwich. Yeah, they're great. I had their turkey sandwich. I could only eat like half of it. Oh, nice. Because it was so good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, we got Cody and Mike coming into the studio. Usually when we do interviews or conversations with people, we record those first before we do the intro. So... Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really know what to expect here. Um, yeah. I mean, it's our first interview in the flesh, really. Well, we, we, you did get to see Terry on the, on, on on the, the Skype. On yeah. the Skype. So that's adorable. Yeah. That, that kind of counts, right? I mean, that's, uh, it's the modern age. If yeah, you can yeah. see somebody, they're really there, right? Is that, yeah. And that's what we tell prisoners when they're seeing their daughters on video screens, you know? No, but I'm excited to see all four of these microphones being used. Oh, man, it's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be great. Just sorry the listeners won't be able to see that, but yeah. it's fine. They're probably not. Maybe we'll take a photo and put it on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. <laughs> At San Dimas today. <laughs> All right. So we're going we're gonna to get into this conversation with Cody and Mike. As soon as I finish this grilled cheese sandwich, brother. Let's All right. do it. See you on the other side. Excellent. All right, Mike, Cody, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Hello. I took a sip right when you welcomed us, but uh, <laughs> so happy to be here. All right. So uh, just so everybody knows everyone's voices, Mike, say hello. Hello. Cody, say hello. This is Cody's voice. Okay. Now we got this. I mean, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it's great to have you guys here. Um, you know, we, we uh, talked a little bit about, in our intro about you guys, uh, YK Records Artists, bit of your musical background, and we just thought it'd be awesome to have you guys in here to talk about Bill and Ted. Yep. And- Kelly, as you predicted, they both brought notes. They both brought notes. <laughs> I'm just staring at a Google search engine right here. There's that's, no notes. That's good. <laughs> I'm staring at three beautiful faces. So yeah. let's uh, let's do this. Bless All right, you. guys, uh, you're both in bands. First thing we want to talk about 
What do you think the dynamic is with Wild Stallions, especially the uh, Bill and Ted both being the frontmen, like both lead guitarists, both lead vocalists? How's, how do, how would that work? How how do you think that works? <laughs> I I have found myself in a lot of bands without a clearly defined frontman. That's kind of been most of the bands I was in in college. It was just sort of an and everybody does their thing. It can be magical. It can be a thing where just 100% organic creative creativity just wells up and everyone just hits on all cylinders all the time. It can also be one of the most frustrating things in the world because you're just <laughs> kind of sitting around staring at each other waiting for something to happen and just That sounds like Bill and Ted. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I relate I relate to the I relate to the Wild Stallions quite a bit cuz it, yeah, it, it's it's super fun to get together with your buddies and and bang around on guitars and stuff, but you reach a point where it's like, okay, well what's What's actually going to happen out of this? What's coming out of this? What's the goal, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you think they were both, like, waiting on the other one to step up and, like, run the show? And maybe <laughs> that's why they never wrote a song? So so maybe that's going to be a, a, a point in uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music, the, the third Ooh, one. Ooh, tantalizing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, no one could just step up and be the front man and right, take control. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I feel like Bill would have if someone was going to, you know? Or, yeah. or at least would have prodded Ted into... into making the move but yeah I, I think that they there's a sort of like native intelligence to them but also just like like some sort of oxygen deprived just certain sections of the brain not working and i think that like the part that's like well one of us should take the lead here it just would never occur to either one of them about yeah how to get that started yeah well i remember listening to our earlier episode of your podcast where y'all <laughs> talking about how they were basically the same person. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no difference in the way they think and act. So, if they're both waiting on the other person to <laughs> act differently, that's not going to happen. Yeah. I, I will say, I would probably peg Bill over Ted to be, like, the manager. You know, yeah. the, the one band member that's booking the shows. Not the creative, necessarily, but the but the, <laughs> but the band captain. The band, you know, the Maybe. band leader. I mean, but let's be honest. It's the princesses that are doing all the hard work. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're yeah, totally right. Yeah. I think the bias for Bill as a leader, though, comes, like, out of the movies. I think that's just from, like, real life, because he became, like, a director and mm, that kind hey. of thing. He is an authority figure. You're right. But I, I don't think that's true in the in the Bill and Ted world. I know. I, I feel like, having watched the movies once or twice, you're probably onto something, but I feel like there might be just a slight edge somewhere with Bill maybe saying, Ted, maybe we ought to learn how to play. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, right. One or two throwaway lines where one of the guys has to come up with a, a revolution re- realization for some sort of character growth, and then it moves from there. But you're absolutely right. Yeah. And it also probably comes a little bit with Keanu Reeves being more of the heartthrob, and so mm-hmm. seeing being seen as the more ladies' of the, man. Yeah. yeah being, <laughs> being seen more as the emotional core of the two, mm-hmm. whereas they are both probably, you know, exactly written exactly the same. Sure. Yeah. I was, uh, watching the the threat of breaking up the band, it, it felt like. You know, remembering being young and not not that young, you know, I've been in bands that broke up because someone was moving away or, you know, it's a lot easier to talk about that emotionally and about how like that impacts the band and how that impacts the band dynamic than it is to talk about like, man, this really hurts. I'm going to miss you if you move to Alaska and have to go to military school. It's like, <laughs> what about the band? How is this going to impact the band? It's like a really handy metaphor for talking about male feelings and you know if one isn't properly acculturated to talk about feelings in that way with with other dudes that is absolutely 100 percent insightful yeah 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 they do love each other very much but they don't ever say it yeah <laughs> they hug some mm-hmm. and yeah 
it doesn't go well sometimes. And then say inappropriate things. Right <laughs> Absolutely. I sometimes have wondered if the, uh, you know, the proposal scene in Bogus Journey, mm-hmm. where they're doing it at the same time, saying the same thing, <laughs> that really they're doing it to each other. Oh, oh you know? that's a really <laughs> interesting. Yeah, that's that's really who they're talking to. I already feel like they're fully committed, though. You know, like yeah. they don't. They don't they're already there. They're already yeah. there. Being a, it, it's the kind of it's the kind of relationship that doesn't require a verbal statement of commitment because it doesn't occur to either party that they would ever be apart, that they would ever have a life apart or mm-hmm. do something apart. And so the idea of physical separation pulling their collaboration, their partnership apart is just unthinkable. It's it's mm-hmm. a kind of death, you know. It's it's And speaking of death, speaking of a great bass player. Hey. <laughs> nice. Uh, you, you may be a king um, or, or a... Before we go too far, sweet though. Sweeper. Sweet sweeper. I want to I tag on to the band as proxy for relationship. Yeah. Because that they actually expanded that to info the princesses because they're part of the band mm-hmm. and part of their new family. Yeah. So. Absolutely right. If you were you know 100% accepted and you're along for the ride, you were in with them yeah. 100%. Well, and uh, yeah, yeah that's, that, I guess that's yeah. what they do. Everyone that they uh, come across in these movies that they have a relationship with that they care about, they bring into the band. Station, stations yeah. in the band and, yeah. uh, and <laughs> in the band. And, you know, no matter how petty death gets, you know, they still love death. They, they yeah. do. They do. <laughs> I mean, Bill Sadler, you can't. Yeah. How big do you think the actual like final version of Wild Stallions is going to be? Assuming we get to see like the real Wild Stallions that made records. I'm assuming the next every movie. show is either going to it's going to be like Rusted Root times. Yeah. We are the world. <laughs> are, the ki- are the kids in the band? Oh, you mean big as in like numbers, yeah. number of members of the yes. band? Yeah. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Yeah. They're going to have to have some. Yeah, I don't know. That's that seems like if if every single person that they bring into their life, including their children, including you know at this <laughs> well, point, yeah. their children's families, mm-hmm. and you know, what was that like that band that formed out of Tripping Daisy or whatever with just like thirty people traveling around on a school bus? No, I, I don't. Uh, Polyphonic Spree. Polyphonic Spree. Oh, there we go. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking more P Funk, but they, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> both good examples. <laughs> you look cool. Join my band. <laughs> So death. We were talking about this earlier. We don't know if the sequel will really include that whole kind of credits montage at the end of Bogus Journey, where they're you know they're going through all these things. Death quits the band and then rejoins the band right. after trying to go solo. So that's canon. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Mike Cody, are you guys up on like the latest news with Face the Music? Kind of what the uh, I know they're in pre-production. Yes, well, supposed to uh, be released in 2020. As far as like plot goes, are, are you familiar with uh, a little bit? They yeah. still haven't written that special song yet, right? They haven't written the song. They they evidently have daughters. You know, um, death is going to be involved. So, okay, just want to make sure we were all on the same. Yeah, page. yeah, yeah. No spoilers. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I spend most of my di- downtime reading entertainment blogs, so it's it's. Uh, I, I know about most movies that are in production, whether I want to or not. We might see some uh, loved historical figures again, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Perhaps Ooh, that'd be great. Oh, this is a question I have for you guys. Which rock acts do you think Bill and Ted will try and get help from and face the music to write the song? And, and I want two predictions here. I want, like, who you would actually like to see them get help from and who do you think <laughs> they will actually use in the yeah, movie. Yeah, that's really Cause, interesting because if, if you think about, like, how much the producers of the film will have a say in that casting and, like, 
you know, they're like, well, we want Ingve Malmsteen and we want Neil Peart <laughs> and we want, you know, and they're like, nobody knows who those people are. No, no children will want to go see that movie. Yeah. You need to get Adam Levine in there and you need, you need to get <laughs> Flea in there. I guess Flea would kind of make sense. I hope they make up a character. <laughs> yeah. Like Just, somebody from the near future. Mm. Well, yeah, because it will be, pres- well, I guess it could be in the present day or it could be set in the... In the near future, I don't know. Do, do we know anything about the setting? It's going to be set in, in present day. Yeah, and I'm wondering where they're at musically, right? Because that first movie was very much, you know, it was the hair metal, the end of the hair metal, really. And then by the second movie, the soundtrack's really weird because it kind of meshes that with with more of the grunge stuff, like alternative rock and yeah, yeah. yeah. Primus. So <laughs> I'm feeling like there's definitely multiple timelines going on because I don't. I don't think the world that was established in the original movie did actually happen. Because think of like when you go to the future and you see that like 3D moving album cover. Mm-hmm. Like that's young Bill and Ted. <laughs> it's true. In trench coats. Mm-hmm. And that never happened. Right. It's true. I think something is amiss in the timeline here. I was wondering about that because I, I, watching the first movie, especially like as far as like what is the theory of time travel in, in this universe because you know you've got some time travel movies that deal with branching uh time travel results Mm -hmm. and others you have like there is a single timeline if you if your mom falls in love with you you're never going to be born so you'll disappear like that kind of like yeah destructive timeline Mm -hmm. uh or you know i'm thinking like back to the future style like maybe the world of the third movie will be like the worst case scenario, 1985, where like Biff had taken over right. oh, and the yeah, world yeah. changes around Jennifer. <laughs> right. Yes. But at the same time, if Bill and Ted are the crux of time travel as a solution to the problems in this film and Bill and Ted appear to be completely immutable as they move through time, because no matter what they do, they will either always remember to not like to set up a trash can to fall from nowhere in the middle of a jail, or they will definitely never remember to set the watch regardless of how many times they remind themselves in that sort of time loop that keeps happening mm-hmm. um is it that <laughs> everything is already predestined everything is definitely going to happen it's it's just a story of how they're tinkering in time yeah and was the original movie a time loop because there was the danger they were going to split apart so had rufus always done that and put them together yeah i mean at the beginning of the movie says you know they have reached a crucial point yeah now is the time for us to interfere in that in that crucial point and you know we know we have to do it because that's what happened but like how do they know that right where's the original reality yeah. in which bill and ted it's not hard science fiction didn't do the yeah report <laughs> no it, it's not and that's actually one of the things i love about it it, it uh takes time travel which at that point there had been so many time travel stories and time travel had gotten to be taken so seriously so seriously and this was one of the first ones like it's a lark, you yeah. know? Um, but like we pointed out uh, a while back and has been pointed out by others, Rufus never introduces himself. You know, mm-hmm. they never actually learn Rufus's name from really? Rufus. Yeah. Uh, they, wow. they don't they don't learn Rufus's name until older them tell them to trust Rufus. Wow. Because he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I, I have a little topic I wanted to bring up, and this seems like as good a time as any. Um so the opening credits of Excellent Adventure, we're seeing the big, like, crystal-looking thing mm-hmm. come down. And then when it's time for Rufus to time travel, they, like, zap it into a telephone booth. Right. right. So it seems like that would imply to me that they're camouflaging it for the time that they're, they're going to. They're giving some thought to how the 
people during the time period that they're traveling to yes. will perceive the object. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But then that kind of blows up, though, when you see there's like a phone book. And, yeah. and then in Bogus Journey, everybody uses a, 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 <laughs> right, a right. phone booth. And it's got a much nicer thing on the top. Did, the they did. They did. Yeah. So I was wondering, it was like, did they have the original intention that it was like a <laughs> camouflage and then they broke it? Or are we just seeing like a hot off the assembly line phone booth? Like that's what it looks it's like before a, the final touch. It's always been a phone booth, but the way that they make it is they take these very, very futuristic, super malleable, hyper-technological crystals and shape them carefully into a phone booth and then the, and then put a broken umbrella on the top right. of the antenna. Okay. Right, and then right. after that one bungle where where uh, where uh, they take a swing at the at the um, umbrella and it, and it with, gets with hit, the mace, yeah. Uh, yeah. then they're like, you know, it's a perfect design. Everything's perfect. We just need to shore up that antenna and then we'll be good. Yeah, we, like, I can and, accept that. Yeah. And there was not much consideration given to the, hmm, maybe a phone booth in medieval England is going to look like <laughs> witchcraft. <laughs> well, and also maybe in the 20th century, seeing a phone book disappear and reappear from, yeah. from thin air surrounded by <laughs> lightning crackles and garish there, red. There, there could be a whole, like, just a whole side world of people who have been like affected by seeing the this, yeah. this phone well, like, booth coming out of time. I, I had They're a just note. traumatized by it. <laughs> One of my more legible notes from from rewatching the films was uh uh, you know, basically building out Bill and Ted as sort of a new like Eric Von Donneken Chariots of the Gods mythology, <laughs> right. where like it's the inevitability of their success comes from the fact that they have left small traces of their existence at various points, culturally significant points throughout history, so that you reach a point where their success in bringing the world together is actually inevitable because they've left these, you know, there's like this collective cultural memory sort of Jungian archetype oh, of, of Bill and Ted. I like this. This sounds like the HBO series Bill and Ted. That's yeah, what does. this is sounding like right now. Yeah. Dave, I Damon think we should watch doing this. <laughs> yeah. You need to recast it. Or, or Netflix, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess with the, with, the, with the success of the Karate Kid show, anything's possible. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. That was well done. It was. I was very impressed with that. Let's save that for the uh, Karate Kid podcast. <laughs> Cobra Cast. Cobra, Cobra Cat. Cat. Oh, oh, all right. All right. So stay tuned for the new uh, <laughs> podcast I mean, on We Own This Town from Mike Shepard. <laughs> we talked about Bill and Ted. It's a spinoff. Yeah. Hey, I mean, those movies were just like three years apart. So Yeah. And time travel in both of them also, right? Yes. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. No, maybe not. Ralph Macchio is always going back in time. <laughs> Who who does the, when the guy walks up to he sees Beethoven sitting in in the keyboard store, he sees a man in a powdered wig with you know, I don't know not Edwardian but you know period period garb on and he says, you know maybe you'd maybe you'd like this and he like reaches over specifically to hit that yeah that, that like loop and he's like so that cocky pack. about it but too. he's like he's like who does he who does he think that that guy is right, when he yeah. sees Beethoven and so he's like. I think that might be Beethoven. I'm just going to take. I'm just going to roll the dice on it. Uh, also, how does Beethoven hear the music when it starts playing if he's deaf? Guys, this this also. I think this is the time to talk about one thing that I'm just really confused by. So this starts one of the most notable montages of the movie, basically where everyone's like running amok in the mall, but we're hearing Extreme playing. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Okay. So are we to believe that uh, Beethoven is playing that on the keyboard? Right. Because they kind of suggest that. Kind of. You know, it's funny because we, we, we had talked about this before, and that particular song starts out with Mozart. That's like Mozart oh, yeah. that's ripping on the guitar. <laughs> yeah. Because I had first thought, I was like, that'd be cool if it were Beethoven. Well, it makes more sense to be Mozart because 
Beethoven idolized Mozart, sure. probably would have learned his music. Right. Um, That's true. Like he's in the that intro didn't but, make but, the movie, but they though. do make it look like he's playing the music that's playing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's like all guitar shredding, and he's just like hitting a keyboard. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not I, sure I, MIDI was sounding that good. Guys, <laughs> guys, guys, we're talking about beef oven here. Yeah, right? yeah, one of the greatest musicians. One of the of greatest. Time. Yeah. Well, and and I love like when when they come and get him with the time machine, he doesn't hear it, right? Like he's right. Just still playing when they pick him up and take yeah. him. But yeah. Cody, that kind of gets back to your when we were talking before we started about the like diegetic versus uh, extra diet ex- non diet non diegetic yeah extra diegetic vegan diegetic vegan diegetic um <laughs> like non 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 <laughs> non diegetic and <laughs> and Cody I'd never heard this term before so explain what diegetic is again so that is basically music that the characters can hear okay Cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that is so it really exists in that world. Yeah, and there seems to they, they seem to kind of play fast and loose with that. In they this blur the lines yeah. on that a lot. Another one we were all talking about is the end of Bogus Journey. Like, are we hearing Wild Stallions? Have we heard them? And do they sound like Kiss? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I think so. I mean, because right, if not, they may not be the they, best band. They, time, <laughs> they time travel to learn. What do they study with Van Van Halen? Right. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that's like the biggest Finding Forrester moment of these movies, and you know where like Sean Connery stands up and he's he's reading the reading the work of art, and then the music swells up, and you don't hear what the greatest thing is yeah. because uh, somebody punted. They're like, we're we're not going to be able yeah. to get the greatest song, right. so let's just plug in this Kiss cover. Also, I want to mention that that's really good blending of the Steve Vai guitar solo intro of God Gave Rock and Roll to You, and then it blends into the Kiss version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I didn't know those were two separate cues, but uh, I was pulled up the uh, soundtrack earlier. And nice. I was thinking yeah. of the Steve Vai I intro. did, uh, so in, in, high, in high school, we did uh, little videos for school projects, and one of the ones that we did was... Um, like to get out of writing a paper for English class, you just make a video with your buddies. And we did one that was uh, Bill and Ted go back in time and save Julius Caesar. And that was like, so we used like a few lines from Julius Caesar and then like had Bill and Ted come in. And I was, I was Ted cause I had brown hair. Um, and then we used that cue. We used the kiss song from the soundtrack as the closing credits movie for that terrible, terrible video that we made. And I didn't know until then, cause I didn't, I didn't own the CD, but my, my best friend did. And so I, Looking at the CD case, I was like, "Oh, this is Kiss, really?" Like, <laughs> right. I had I had no idea. I think that I thought it was an original song written for the movie. What? In, it's Kiss covering Argent. Yeah, yeah Argent. Yeah. yeah. So th- that's even more bizarre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I did I did not know that for years and years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I feel like another option for having heard Wild Stallions is um, in the original movie when they go to the future, and it's just like the really dreamy like yeah. guitars mm-hmm. and so forth, and they're like. Excellent music or I was, whatever. I, I, um, yeah. So, I also wanted to see what you guys thought if that was diegetic or not. So, I looked that up on the soundtrack, and that song is called In Time by Robbie Rob. Oh, yeah. Mm. and oh, One of our I'm favorites. Also, I'm just wondering, like, in the future, do they love Robbie Rob? I mean, or, you know what? I'll tell you this much, Cody. In the present, they love Robbie <laughs> Rob. <laughs> well, I was thinking, like, if, if, if in the film we're... We're to assume that that's actually the music of Wild Stallions, or like the music that Wild Stallions has somehow inspired through their world shaping. And I think that's breaking. the one I kind of thought. Yeah. What would it be like to hear as a as a child, as a teenager, like the music you'll be making in twenty years? Like if somebody played that for you, 
mm-hmm. and like didn't tell you what that was and they're like you know that's you you that's and, yeah and that's decidedly not heavy metal right? no i mean certainly is, not i I'm no musicologist, but Robbie Rob, <laughs> it's like the sweet, it's like the sweetest ballad you would ever possibly have so on sweet. maybe I, like a rock and hair metal album. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, that you're most of the soundtrack is not very metal at all. Like the intro song, mm-hmm. "Why Can't I Break Away?" Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great song with a great origin. That's did you know that was a cover song? No, I didn't so, know. So a soul artist named Chuck Jackson did the original version, and it's fantastic. Oh, it, is, it is so good. Amazing. I'm yeah. adding to my notes now. It's like this uh, sweet, just like kind of blues, grungy yeah. riff, and and, just... and all the parts are there. You know what I mean? And Big Pig didn't really change it that much, other than just <laughs> with their. Nice name Their instrument station. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And 80s, 80s soundtrack bands should be like, there's there's all these bands that never had any other hits except, I mean, that I know of. You know, they weren't like, it's not like now where you try to get like, well, let's get a uh, a Skrillex song. Let's get a little, <laughs> little Uzi Vert song or whatever, you know, whatever's big now. I actually think that uh, part of that reason is that the the economy of soundtracks have changed mm. like you you look at bill and ted um the excellent adventure soundtrack that was all a&m records right right so all of them uh, were a&m so that explains was... why there's two shark mm-hmm. islands <laughs> yeah, i mean <laughs> it, does it though does it really? <laughs> they're actually two of the more memorable good songs so it, it, it's one of those things where you've got at that time you know soundtracks were kind of just cast off stuff you didn't have all this corporate synergy so I'm sure it was just the movie studio going, all right, who's got something? And then I don't know if A&M paid them or they paid A&M a little bit or it was... Well, I'm sure there. the A&R department just had like, we've got these tracks, we own these songs, these records are never going to sell. Let's just put them all on the soundtrack and then maybe, you know, 1,300 kids will pick up the Bill and Ted soundtrack for, for mm-hmm. laughs. Right. And But then by the time you get to Booker's Journey, the, the paradigm has shifted a little bit. You're trying to get more... Uh, current names, bigger names to actually start selling soundtracks. Mm-hmm. The see, budget's bigger too. Yeah, the budget, right. yeah, yeah. Because th- then you've got uh, Faith No More, Primus, um, Slaughter, Slaughter, Slaughter. I mean, Slaughter. Yeah. Shout it out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they were a big name. <laughs> they were. <laughs> Although I think that they were they were kind of at the, at the top of the hill at that point, right? Like yeah, they, yeah, they were on their way down. They had they had reached their apex already. Yeah. <laughs> not not quite to like uh, Mark Mark Slaughter. Mark Slaughter. Mark Slaughter uh, at at the uh, at the Jersey Mike's in in Nashville telling people about his yard sale. <laughs> it's a thing. It's a thing that, that I heard about happening. I, I, I heard he was there. a door guy at Wild Horse Saloon. Really? I'm not sure if that's real. Yeah, I think that I maybe think, a bartender. I don't. Know. I think he was better with his money than that, maybe, but not maybe not much better. I mean, Jersey um, Mike's is a good sandwich. That's it, it, it's better than Quiznos. Mm. And you know, Megadeth was on there too. Yeah. Yeah. Go to Hell, which was the original title of the movie, right? right? I mean, you also had Tom Waits on there, right? I mean, really? He, yeah, he played with Primus on uh, Tommy the Cat. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, but yeah. he was Tommy the Cat, the titular yeah. Tommy. Yes, <laughs> yes. Man, I loved Primus. Oh man, so did yeah. I. I was real. I was like that was prime time for me and Primus, uh, Frizzle Fry and Sailing the Seas of Cheese. That mm-hmm. was. That's good stuff. I'll, Look even, at, I'll even go to Pork Soda. Oh, yeah. We were at the uh, third Lollapalooza when Primus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was there. And torn on at, Pork Soda. At, oh, yeah. uh, at Starwood? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Witnessed my first uh, mosh pit with Rage Against the Machine. Mm. They were like playing at noon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, Tool was at that thing on the second stage. I walked, I was watching Arrested Development. Mm hmm. I stood up, walked past Tool to go get a burrito, and then walked past Tool again, went back and sat down and finished watching Arrested Development. You saw Tool on one of their first tours. Yeah. Well, I saw them again at 328 with <laughs> yeah. Failure and uh, and uh, Flaming Lips, and that was 
That was good too. To be young in Nashville. Oh, waxing nostalgic here. It's great. <laughs> I loved seeing uh, Bill Sadler pop up again at the end um, when they're just showing the, the different shots of people around the world reacting. And I was like, my oh, word. Yeah. Well, that's Bill yeah. Sadler. Yeah. <laughs> I have cr- I have come to love Bill Sadler as like a genre character actor so much. He oh, he's was, great. Uh, he's amazing. Disturbing Behavior is a uh, um, kind of a body snatchers movie. Like post scream okay like i've not seen that it's it i love it i think it's one of the best definitely one of the best uh teen horror movies of like 1996 okay so of that year <laughs> was that was <laughs> that body specific was that katie, katie holmes katie holmes right? uh what's his name elijah wood was he in there no mm-hmm. nick stall nick stall oh, nick stall and uh terminator three yeah <laughs> nick stall <laughs> and uh james marsden Oh yeah, but then the one-two punch of great genre character actors Bruce Greenwood and Bill Sadler are the uh, nice, yeah, authority right. figures in the film. Okay, well, Bill Sadler's a uh, heavily accented uh, janitor <laughs> who loves Kurt Vonnegut. That's a plot point. Ooh, nice. Wait, no, I have seen this. I saw it in the theater. Mm. I have it on Blu-ray. My wife hates it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I was really heartened when when Bill and Ted and and Death were having their their showdown with playing the games to each other, playing games to each other. Is that a thing you say? With with with. Oh, that's the yeah, that's the yeah. preposition I was looking for. Um, <laughs> such sportsmanship on the part of Bill and Ted at the end when when Ted, when Death is kind of bummed out that he's lost. And they're like, man, you did really good. No, that was that was great. You know, they yeah. there's such lovable lovable characters they are, and I, they mm-hmm. do that with almost everyone they meet they, yeah. they say something like super complimentary to them and it's just a great way to go about living your life you know it's like hey kelly your glasses are looking really clean today brother i appreciate that about <laughs> you know cody that is an excellent shirt mike thank you so much for being here yeah <laughs> showing up it's, it's also like, a nice shirt yeah, yeah, um i didn't want to do the shirt thing. yeah it's it fine. I, mean, <clears throat> I mean you would think that they could essentially just win over anyone who thought that they didn't like him. They do. Right? I mean, like, they, they, they just do. Maybe we open face the music like it's Uncle Denomalos. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's he's the only one that never gives he's, in. He's the babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> he always hates them. Yeah. But he married Missy, so she'll soften him up. That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's interesting. I, I've been rereading the comic books that were written by Evan Dorkin. Yeah. And um, that post-credit sequence with, with all those newsreels and stuff had to be written after, like, added in after the script was completed because in the comic books, like none of that stuff has ever happened. Like, right. uh, um, Missy's still married, to uh, Mr. Logan or captain Logan, you know, all this different stuff that like clearly I've, I've watched that in sequence, like hundreds of times probably on, <laughs> on Bogus journey and to read these comics and it like that stuff not be canon is really kind of shocking to me. So it'll, it will be interesting to see if that is folded into the new movie or not. Yeah. I hope so. I hope that they, I mean, I, on the one hand, I really want them to do a, a loving, like, uh, what was the first new Star Wars movie called? Um, Force Awakens. Force Awakens. I want to see like a Force Awakens style. Here's everything you loved about the first two movies rehashed with new actors and, and the old actors coming back in. I also would like to see a Last Jedi style. Uh, forget everything you knew about the other films. Here's a completely, here's another completely different set of circumstances with the same characters. No time travel, no interdimensional life and death stuff, but a completely new like science fiction or fantasy concept that they hash out through 
the magic. I mean, that's what Bogus Journey did. It definitely yeah. forged its own path. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it could have just been another like, well, now we have to go back and get uh, Marie Antoinette. Yeah. Uh, John Quincy Adams. We're going to fail science class. Yeah. <laughs> when I was theorizing before knowing a little bit about the new movie, I was hoping they would go to space. Oh yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be a way to go. Or like yeah, they're on a they're on some sort of like uh multi-generational uh spacecraft to another planet mm-hmm. uh to spread the love of rock and roll and they uh I don't know. Some aliens get on there and they have to kill them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and they'll call it alien. Right. Um Anomalous, uh his costume specifically the collar with the lights in it. Do you think that they intended that to light his face the whole time? But like, it just, it just lights his like, kind of like his uh, like George Lucas pouch the yeah. whole time. Um, I like to think that that is a conscious choice that Denomos makes every morning. He's like, you know what? This collar, it's going to make me look oh, just a little bit more fearsome. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to, it's going to give me that like creepy, flashlight on the face scowl that I really, really want. And it just doesn't work for him. Like anything <laughs> right. else the novelist does, it just almost there, but not quite. It's a great plan, but just not very well executed. Mm-hmm. I've always felt like the future in Bogus Journey at the beginning is the same universe as uh, the future in Back to the Future 2 because they're all wearing the all same puffy clothes. costumes. Well, also that uh, <laughs> that New Order video for uh, True Faith where they're all wearing the yeah. kind of yeah. puffy shoulders. I think there was, uh, I don't know if it was uh, Todd Oldham. Did that inspire at all? I don't know. I'd like to think so. I, I really like that video. I still so prefer the fashions from the first movie in the future with those like black and gold robes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, the yeah, sort Clarence. of a Krypton before the fall kind right, of Right. Yeah. Absolutely. That is like the darker, so much cooler, so much more ambience as opposed to the big, puffy, Dayglo nerf stuff in the second film. Yeah. So is that just how like government workers dress in the it first one? Be. Like that's like, be. Oh, right. like they're all it's the like, ruling council. Yeah. Normal people wear felt, right? <laughs> Padded felt. Yeah. They're all they're all servants to President Clarence Clemens, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I noticed watching the first film with uh, when they pick up Billy the Kid. He does great. He has a great time with time travel. He picks up Socrates, who's a great thinker. Billy the Kid, historically or not, is is kind of a dipshit in, in the film. And it seems like the stupider you are, the more likely you are to thrive in a time travel environment. <laughs> no, I think that's absolutely right. It's <laughs> like, it, it, there's a sliding scale from, well, you know, from I, Bill and Ted to, let's say, Socrates. <laughs> well, but you could, also, you could also look at it as intelligence versus wisdom, right? So sure. Socrates actually gets there eventually. He, he kind of comes into his own, especially in medieval England, helps rescue Bill and Ted. Whereas uh, Ziggy, he just... He's never going to get time travel, man. Right, he's, yeah, he, right. You know, he's he's the epitome of intelligent, high intelligence, low wisdom. You know, sure. And uh, I don't know, but then you got Lincoln, who's he, a he smart. Seems guy to take a liking to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah folks, maybe a folksiness, <laughs> right? So I guess Lincoln would have higher wisdom than yeah. Yeah. Socrates and Billy. That's just they could have they could have had their own spinoff. I sure, think. I would watch it. So yeah. good. I, I would watch the Shaw and Hobbes version of it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was at Opryland Hotel drinking and looking at plants yesterday, and then I came home and watched these movies. And uh, That's a good day. It was, listen, I, I recommend it. Um, <laughs> the best day. Pumpkins in the Dungeon. Uh, when uh, when Ted gets knocked down the stairs and he falls out of his armor somehow, at the, oh, yeah, at yeah. the bottom of the stairs, there's just a pile of pumpkins. The storm gourds, man. Storm <laughs> gourds. Gourds, gourds, gourds. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's a big castle. Yeah. <laughs> Got to keep those gourds somewhere, man. <laughs> uh, so, like, in terms of, like, nature versus nurture discussions, like, 
and again, you guys may have covered this already, so stop me if you haven't. We'll just talk about something else. But like, um, <laughs> same parents, same household, same prevailing culture. How did Ted and Deacon, Deacon fucking Logan? God. How does he come out? So how do those? Because he has the demeanor of the older child. Like he has the yeah of the sort of bullying older, like the dickish older brother. But right. he's, he's the younger brother. Do you think that there's? Uh, I don't know. Should we write some fan fiction about? Oh the yeah, the event we, that we we've had theories on Deacon. You know, first of all, he's he's you know he's just dressed really nice. He's got an expensive watch on. He's got <laughs> he's these, dressed like an adult. He's, bowl, like he's bowling yuppie. with twins. Yeah. You know, he's dude is clearly a drug dealer. Yep. I mean, clearly <laughs> yep. a drug dealer. That's 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 the only. <laughs> only I, way I saw that happened. episode title. I'll go back and watch yeah. that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it it is odd. Um, you know, they're they're I I feel like. Maybe when Ted's mother left, there was some sort of disconnect with Captain Logan. And I'm just assuming she left. I don't know. She could still be there. but And then uh, Ted's father took all of his aggression out actually on Ted. Right. And kind of Deacon went under the radar but got the lay of the land yeah. and was like, if I'm going to survive in this hostile environment, I right. need to. Uh, yeah. Or I, and Ted, he, play, he plays sports too. So yeah. He's, he's yeah. an athlete. Right. Yeah. He goes, we, that day he went to the water park. He went to the. He went to the. He was hitting baseballs baseball. in the park. He's bowling. Like did he, Deacon go to Waterloo? No, he didn't. You're oh, right. Yeah. You're right. I mean, I'm just going to call you out on that. Yeah. Mic. Listen, <laughs> I, again, I was drinking and looking at plants all day. Uh, maybe talking about like in terms of like the parental relationships. Maybe because Ted may have been raised more by the mother, mm. and so there's more of that sort of like cherished. Star child, like be freed, you <laughs> yes. know, yeah, do as what, you will. What and mother, what mother, that's exactly. The yeah, thing. that's the, the motherless. <laughs> do you think their mothers were best friends? Ooh. Mm. Prequel. Ooh. Well, I mean, because neither, neither biological mother is in the picture at all. That is, that is true. That is um, absolutely true. So, yeah, I think that there's, I think, I hope that there's a backstory, like a cold open in the third film that deals with maybe the mothers are also traveling through time. <laughs> that could be an interesting callback because I know when we talked to Madison, Chris Madison, he uh, they were gonna maybe add like Ted's mom in off screen. She was just gonna be like bedridden and really fat or something. Yeah, and yeah, they just yeah. scrapped all of that. Um, and he, you know, he was just kind of like, we don't really know why we did it. We just that's just how it turned out, right? Right, like, right. And you know what? I I think it's better for it. I, I think that it, yeah, I mean, there's already a, a lot going on, and it yes. lets it lets Missy shine. It does, mm. it does, and does she shine? Yes, yeah, she does. That was rhetorical. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's actually a pretty caring mother too. Sure, going back yeah. and watching, like, yeah, she not was only really caring, great. But she's like responsible. <laughs> yeah. She's yeah. on Bill to actually do his chores. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Takes him to help commit like a crime. You know, like sure. busting all these guys out of jail. Picks <laughs> him up from school. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Missy's got your back. You know? She does. She does. <laughs> kind of clueless about social social clues, like making out in your son's bedroom or whatever. Yeah, like true. That's, that's well, yeah. What else you guys got? Got anything? Yeah, I just made some note of like some of the music cues that I liked. No, that's totally yeah, that. yeah, great. excellent. Um, some good David Newman moments. Yeah, there's some great David Newman moments. Um, so he actually does a great job, I think, of like taking you into all these like mini subgenres. Like whenever they go to a historical era, it's the soundtrack of a movie that would take place mm-hmm. then. And he did a really good job of like kind of jumping um, yeah, yeah. style. Like the the Billy the Kid stuff is awesome. Very mm-hmm. like large Western sounding like Aaron Copeland stuff. 
Yeah. Yep. Um, the medieval stuff is pretty involved. <laughs> um, my favorite I was mentioning earlier is um, the very 80s sounding score, like when um, at the Circle K after they've met themselves, like there's some very cool, like um, inspirational <laughs> stuff. Yeah. You know, you can buy those soundtracks on iTunes. Yeah. You get you can get both uh David Newman scores. You can't get the like actual like music uh, like songs from the soundtrack, like the original motion picture soundtrack, but you can get the David Newman scores. Totally worth it. Yeah. Guys, it's been great having you, you know. Thank we you really both. enjoyed this. This was a lot of fun. It's been really great it and was- uh loved having some fresh perspectives on here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd like to spend some time reading the comic books and then maybe come back and talk about those because I loved, I loved those comic books as a kid. Yeah, the Evan Dorkin stuff yeah. is just great. They, I was researching this uh, today because hopefully we'll have an interview com- coming up very soon with uh, somebody that this might be pertinent to. But uh, they actually, Boom Comics did two other limited series of Bill and Ted, like kind of recently, hmm. which I've never seen or read, but I'd like to check out and just see what somebody else did with the property. But the Evan Dorkin stuff, I can't recommend highly enough, and you got to go back and read it. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, I gotta, you can, you can borrow it. If, okay. Like, right on. <laughs> if you don't want to throw Evan Dorkin more money, you know, it's whatever. It's, okay. I, <laughs> I used to have all, like, I bought them monthly at the yeah. comic book store. Like, that was, that was in my hold box. I was real into, well, because I loved, uh, I loved Dorkin stuff on Milk and Cheese. That's yes. Yeah. So coming. Great. Although I honestly can't remember if I came to Milk and Cheese through Bill and Ted or, or vice versa. I don't. I'll cop to the fact that I did. Like, Evan Dorkin got me into his earlier stuff by doing uh, the Bill and Ted. (laughs) Yeah. It's a gateway drug. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Sometimes it's worth it to take those mercenary gigs, you know? (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Well, it was an honor to be asked to participate. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about two of my favorite movies of all time. Well, it's great to have you guys. We did mention in our intro, we stumped for you a little bit. Um, let everybody know that you can buy New Man Records and Tower Defense Records at ykrecords.com. That's right. Um, and, of course, we always love to thank Michael Leeds, who uh, helps put our podcast out there for everyone through We Own This Town. He runs the best record label in Nashville, or anywhere for that matter. Absolutely. Thank experience. you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> our benevolent benefactor. Uh, I want to thank Scott Bricklin uh, and Scooby Tunes Music for the use of our excellent theme song. Walk away. Yeah. And uh, hey, Kelly, be excellent to each other. All right, guys. Can we do it all together? Yeah. Party, Party on, on, dudes. All right, guys. Uh, level with this. What are your? If you had to go to your own personal hell, what would that personal hell be? I think for me, it might be uh, middle school gym class. My middle school had a pool, which seems like it would be a cool thing unless you're a pudgy kid. Mm. In which case, being forced to wear swim trunks in front of your entire class is not always the best. So maybe uh, maybe something like that. All right. That's solid. Yeah. that's Gym class was a nightmare for me. Too. Gym class in general. Yeah, just... Why do we even have gym class? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, it's it's not like it's actually giving kids enough... Like exercise to be healthy? Is it just teaching them shame in in <laughs> in the locker room? Burpees. <laughs> oh god, burp. fartlicks. Mm. 
I don't know why this pops in my head, but one of the most awkward things in the world to me is having to watch someone sing a cappella in front of you. Like, I don't know how <laughs> to react. It's just so oh, uncomfortable. Man. So a personal hell to me would be like somebody just like standing in front of me, singing to me, making <laughs> eye contact. <laughs> and you can't go anywhere. No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and they're like wanting approval yeah. the whole time. What if they also had an acoustic guitar? Would that make it better or worse? That would make it... Not, <laughs> that's a lesser level of hell. Okay, yeah. right. it's so, a deeper hell. So if I like had purely... Takamini out, and I was just looking at you straight in the eye, singing a song. That makes about it a little a little more okay. Okay, like there's a but like a, the guitar is the buffer. All right, yeah. But when it's a cappella, it's just like you and that and goes them. that goes both ways, man. Like singing in front of people without a guitar, without holding a guitar, is terrible. It's mm-hmm. the worst. Is that why they never do it on television? Even if it's like you know, like. I don't know if you ever saw Hee Haw, right? Like I've all, seen Hee Haw, yes. If you might be familiar with Hee Haw, even the guys who weren't <laughs> playing guitar were just standing there with guitars. Just holding saying, a guitar, yeah. 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 I'm authentic. I wouldn't doubt it, because they weren't actors, they weren't comedians, they were musicians, and so like saying, like stand here in front of this camera and be funny. Like I I was in a band for a while where I the reason I played guitar in the band, I was supposed to be the lead singer in the band, and I, the reason I played guitar in the band was because I couldn't stand to sing and not hold a guitar at the same mm-hmm. time. Like mm-hmm. it just made, and then I was like, "Well, it's stupid for me to just hold a guitar. Can I plug it in?" And then they let me play. But does that count for karaoke? <laughs> nope, does not count for karaoke. I love, I love to sing karaoke, but I think that the the stakes are different. Hmm. Yeah, I can see you that. Know? I can see that for sure. The expectation of excellence is uh, way higher with karaoke. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Once you've seen a bunch of drunk bachelorettes do Love Shack at three o'clock in the morning a few times, it's. Pretty high standard of excellence there. 